I'm not weird, I'm gifted. I just love that title. I don't know why that is. It just makes me happy. We are gifted. And we're going to talk about spiritual gifts today and when we receive spiritual gifts and why. And what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. And as I've said before, I grew up in a wonderful church, wonderful, warm, Bible-believing church that sent out missionaries. I never heard the word spiritual gifts or the phrase spiritual gifts or the concept spiritual gifts. But they're in the Bible, and we need to, to look at them. And we're going to talk today about activating our gifts, especially the gift of word of knowledge. And the word of knowledge is sort of the easiest of all of the gifts to get into. It's something that you, whether you're listening to me here on the podcast, on the video cast, on in person here, something that you've already operated in. I almost guarantee it. Men call it a hunch. Women call it intuition. The Bible calls it a word of knowledge. It's something we couldn't have known, and it pops into your head. And we've all had that. Who here has been going down the 405, and you think, someone's looking at me. And you look to the right, and sure enough, someone's looking at you. It's, a, it's, a, it's one of those things. That's a word of knowledge. You get the sense that someone's looking at you, and sure enough, they are. Because we are wired into the spiritual realm. And we are spiritual beings. As John Ellis from our church often says, we are not uh, physical beings trying to get spiritual. We're spiritual beings trying to navigate this crazy physical world. And that's that's just a beautiful way to, to say that. The Bible says that we should be going after these gifts. We should be going after supernatural abilities. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, Paul says, but earnestly desire the best gifts, the greater gifts. Go after them. And last I checked, this verse is a commandment in Scripture, and it has not been rescinded, has not been repealed. And We should be going after the gifts. We're part of the Foursquare church family, and on the wall outside here, there's Hebrews 13.8, which says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if God healed back then, he heals now. God didn't have a makeover somewhere along the line and decide to quit healing or quit giving us spiritual gifts. There are three kinds of spiritual gifts, and this, this was a great insight given to me at our men's group on Monday, our coast-to-coast men's group. It's really sad. The place we used to meet, Sunny's, has closed forever. So that's uh, a lot of businesses have gone out of business. And so uh, do be praying for your local business people. And it's a challenging time for them. Perhaps you're one of them. It's been a tough deal. And keeping the boat afloat, whatever your business is, has been very, very challenging. But Kevin Biscater, in our men's group, he's from Kansas City, he uh, had a wonderful way of looking at spiritual gifts. He says there's three kinds of spiritual gifts. And it's one of the most insightful things I've ever heard on the gifts. The first one is called innate, the gifts that God wires into us from birth. Now, this is a picture of Stevie Wonder, for those of you listening on the podcast. And Stevie Wonder was born musical. Stevie Wonder plays all the instruments in his albums. He just goes over the track with the drums, the guitar, the whole thing. He just picks up an instrument and plays it. He's been that way since he was a little kid. And I remember once when in the 70s when Paul Simon got up and received the Grammy for Best Album for Still Crazy After All These Years, and normally have to get up and they thank people you've never heard of. He said, I'd like to thank Stevie Wonder for not doing an album this year, because otherwise I wouldn't be up here. <laughs> so, so Stevie Wonder was just, just drop-dead gifted uh, from the very beginning. And some of the gifts that God gives us, he wires into our brains and our bodies. 
You've seen gifted athletes that do just the craziest things. Uh, the Olympics, the ice skaters, the gymnasts, the people that fling themselves off of off of ski jumps, which I think is bizarre to do that for a hobby. <laughs> just flying through the air like that. What could go wrong? You know, so there's innate gifts. That's the first one. Now, the innate gifts can be broken down into different kinds of innate gifts, gifts which we operate in whether or not we're believers. Truth is, sometimes people are just gifted at certain things. Innate gifts can be latent or activated. You might have an innate gift which God gave you from birth that you've never activated. It might be a natural gift. I had a natural gift for languages and didn't know it. Did not know it. I can read languages. I can pick up another language pretty quickly. I can read several different alphabets. That's just how I'm wired. God wired me to do that. But I didn't know it until college because I was raised in Bloomington, Minnesota, where you never heard a foreign language. I never. Everybody was white and Lutheran or Catholic. That was it. That was all there was. And so I didn't even, I grew up literally never hearing a foreign language. Now, that's hard for you to believe in Orange County or other places you might live, but that was true in Bloomington, Minnesota. So I went to college. And in my college, they said, there's a two-year language requirement. I said, well, okay. Um, and I found out there's some really good-looking girls in the French class. So I signed up for French. And, but it was full. It was full. And so they said, well, the only one open right now is German. So I took German. And in my first semester, I'd done all the work, worked hard at it, and was getting an F. And I went to the professor Frau Ravis, I still remember, I said, would you please give me a C minus? I promise to take the next semester. She said, fine, I'll give you a C minus. And if you promise to take this, she says, I know you've done all the work, so I'll give you a C minus and take the next semester. Well, at the end of the next semester, guess what I was getting? An F. And I said, would you please give me a C minus? Because I've got to get this language requirement or I won't graduate. And my voice was choking up and stuff. And she said, okay, I'll give you a C minus. Just one more time. And in my third semester, I was getting an F. And I begged my next professor, Professor Suderman, for a C minus. He said, you didn't realize I'd done that before. So I, I just uh, begged him for that. And he gave me a C minus. In the middle of my fourth semester, I got it. Just got it. Got an A. Guess what my major was in college? German. It was a gift I had that I just had to activate. And ever since I went to college and I mean, went to seminary, graduate school, picked up Greek and Hebrew. And I even took Ugaritic for fun, which is a dead Middle Eastern language that helps you understand the Bible. So uh, I get excited about Aramaic and Syriac, which are kind of the same language because that's what Jesus spoke. And I, I look at their different alphabets. That was a gift that was wired to me, but I had to activate it. It took activation. And activation, it got activated through stress. But it's definitely in there. I can pick up languages faster than most people. But I didn't know it because I was raised in Bloomington. So it was latent. Also, innate gifts can be two kinds. They can be nature or they could be nurture. You might have a certain gift. For instance, Phil UCB is very musical. He's our Stevie Wonder. He picks up all these different instruments. Doesn't look like Stevie Wonder, but he plays like Stevie Wonder. Picks up lots of instruments. And guess what? His kids are musical. It could be innate, 
but it might just be that they grew up with Phil as a dad, and they were around music all the time. And so some of our innate gifts are nature, some are nurture, some are the environment that we grew up in. Those are the innate gifts. Number two of the three, augmented gifts. Gifts that you have, but you get a booster shot. All of a sudden, you've got this natural gift, and all of a sudden, you get this big infusion of an upgrade of that gift just for a period of time for a certain thing. That's what we call an augmented gift. That picture I'm showing here, for those of you listening on the podcast, is an electric bike. I'm just amazed at these electric bikes. People go whizzing by my house at 40, 50 miles an hour. I'm thinking, wow, how cool is that? There's even... There's even motorized skateboards now where people are zipping around on those things. But these motorized bikes are really pretty cool. And that's a regular bicycle, but it's augmented by this sort of super shot. You might have a little bit of a gift that God augments with a spiritual whatever to bring it up to a higher level for a certain thing. You might be a good public speaker, but then God puts you in front of 3,000 people And all of a sudden, and you've never spoken to a crowd like that before, and all of a sudden you have a gift to do something bigger. And then it goes away the next day and comes back when it needs to be. That's what we call an augmented gift. Isn't, aren't Kevin's things just kind of cool? What he came up with in the group. I just love these categories. There's innate, there's augmented, and then there are imparted gifts, which you have no natural ability for whatsoever. These are the more obviously supernatural gifts. These are gifts that just come out of nowhere. And boom, there they are. This happened to me with the gift of interpretation of tongues. I was a brand new pastor. And I looked like I was about 12 in my pictures. I was really very young looking. So I wore a clerical collar just so people would think I'm a grown-up. And uh, I was just wet behind the ears, just out of school. And Anne Louise Huffman in our first church, I'll never forget it. She was one of those ladies with a frilly Bible cover you know, frilly Bible cover ladies. And uh, and she wore little cowboy boots because she liked to do line dancing. And uh, she's just a dear, dear older lady. And uh, she said, uh, Pastor Houskin, can we do a healing service after the service? And I grew up Lutheran. I'd never been to a healing service. I said, I'd like to see that. Let's do that after the service. So we show up and there's, I still remember this guy sitting on a bar stool, a young man. And four or five people stayed for the healing service. And Anne Louise Huffman put her hand on his shoulder with her little cowboy boots and her frilly Bible. And she started praying and singing in tongues over him. I'd never heard that before. And I was leaning in thinking, this is pretty cool. This is, this is interesting. It, and folks, if you've never heard people singing in tongues, it is interesting. Whether you like it or not, it's interesting. So I was leaning in. And she was singing in tongues over this guy. And boom, into my head, I don't just mean a feeling, I mean the exact words in English came into my head, the interpretation, and just smack into the middle of my head. And I didn't think, oh, praise the Lord, I've got the gift of interpretation. I got out of there fast. And I went back to my office. I don't even smoke. I wanted a cigarette so bad. I was pacing. I was pacing. I said, Lord, what was that? That is weird. Why do you do things like this to people? I was and he calmed, the Lord calmed me down and said, that was the gift of interpretation. He says, you can operate, if you can operate in the gift of interpretation, you can operate the gift of tongues. I'm going, I'm not sure I want to do that, but okay. So the Lord and I had this little thing. That was an imparted gift. That was, there's, you don't, you're not born with that ability. 
That is something the Lord just... He did that just to mess with me. You see, the Lord doesn't have cable, so he's got to do something for entertainment. And he just, he just, he might just zap you with one of these supernatural gifts. I'm serious. That's why he puts incompatible couples together in marriage. Because he just likes to watch what we do, you know, back and forth. It's, it's fascinating. Church, churches that teach and believe in the imparted gifts are called charismatic or Pentecostal because these are gifts which are supernatural. This is a charismatic church. This is a Pentecostal church. This is a church that believes in the gifts. We believe not just in the natural innate gifts or the augmented gifts. We believe in the supernatural gifts that they are for today because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the Bible says, go after these gifts. And that command has never been rescinded. And people say, well, isn't the Bible sufficient? If you've got the Bible, why would you need all these? Why would you need God to speak to you? Because God doesn't tell us certain things in the Bible. God doesn't tell you move to Idaho, or God doesn't say, um, take this new job, it, or marry, marry um, you know, Louise somebody or whatever. It doesn't say that in the Bible. Who you're going to marry, where you're going to move, what you're going to do, you need to hear from God, because the Bible won't tell you. And you need to pay attention to those specific things. The Bible is great for general knowledge. It's not so good for, for specific stuff. For specific stuff, we need to hear from God. And God has a lot more talk than we've got listen. And we need to be listening for him to give us specific directions as to where to go, what to do. And those are the more supernatural gifts. Those are the imparted gifts. Those are the gifts nobody is born with. And one of the things I don't like about spiritual gifts tests, some of them are pretty good. But a lot of them look at the supernatural gifts as if they're natural gifts. And what I mean by that is, They'll say, um, oh, you're very bold in speaking, so you, you must have the gift of prophecy. No, the gift of prophecy comes straight down from heaven, and it's words from God. It has nothing to do with your temperament. Most of the prophets didn't want to be, th- didn't want to be prophets. I don't want to do this. I don't want to speak for you, God. This, you know, I know what happens to prophets. It's not a good thing. And so it's, it's one of those things that, uh, that uh, they often do. So these are surprise gifts that come out of nowhere, like the gift of interpretation, which I received out of nowhere. I still remember as clear as day. It was 20-some years ago, but I remember as, as if I was standing there. It was so shocking. And sometimes we get those gifts which are above and beyond any natural ability. And the Spirit gives us those gifts. So the question is, when can we operate in the gifts? I have BCAC here, before conversion, after conversion. Can a person operate in spiritual gifts before conversion? Can a person, before you become a Christian? Can you, or is it just something God gives to people when they become believers? Is it just for the inside folks or is it for everybody? Do gifts operate? Well, of course, innate gifts operate everywhere. You can have musical and athletic gifts whether or not you're a believer. There's a lot of gifts you can have. Craftsmanship is the first spiritual gifts, the first spiritual gift mentioned in the Bible. Bezalel, who made the tabernacle. Who thinks that non-believers can be good at craftsmanship? I think there's probably one or two plumbers that aren't believers, and they do pretty well with those things. It innate gifts, augmented gifts, I think no question, no question unbelievers can operate in those. The question is, can unbelievers operate in the more supernatural gifts? And that's a really, really good question. And the Bible has some answers, in case you're curious. 
Here's one thing that will help us understand it. There's a phrase I'd like you to know, and that's imago Dei. That's Latin for in the image of God. And that's, that's God creating Adam there with the, the two hands there. That's Michelangelo's picture from the Sistine Chapel. Who here has been to the Sistine Chapel? Woody's been there. You've been there. Robert, been there. There's one job I would never want to have. It's the shushers in the Sistine Chapel. There's people that walk around going, shh, shh. They're professionals. They've got a name tag. You know, and, uh, They try to keep you quiet because everybody's taking pictures of the ceiling. Shh, shh. Imagine doing that all day long. I don't think there is a spiritual gift of shushing, but uh, they just uh, the, the shushers of the, the Sistine Chapel. Why read fiction? Every human being, and I love this phrase, this was from Tom Breeze from our men's group, is an image bearer of God, because every human being, believer or unbeliever, is made an image of God. Who thinks this would really help our country right now if we recognize that in other people? If we recognize that your political enemies and other people are also made in the image of God? Who thinks our society would be better off? Who thinks we should teach this to our kids, for goodness sake? And what, what bad could possibly happen if we taught all of our kids that every other kid is made in the image of God? You better not mess with them or beat them up or, or whatever. Woody's got some great stories about some things kids did to him back in junior high, and that's no fun. Uh, they didn't think you were made in the image of God, did they, Woody, at that time? No, they didn't. It's, <laughs> it's nasty stuff. I really believe that this would solve so many of our problems, that if we believed that everyone was made in the image of God, can you imagine we would treat each other a little differently? So everyone is made in the image of God, and everyone is a potential believer, and Jesus died for every single one of them. Not all of them received that, but he died for every one of them. That's what my parents used to say whenever I complained about people. Jesus died for him too. Just to remind me, Jesus died for him too. And I know, I know, I know. But uh, it, that's, this helps us understand spiritual gifts. Because if people are made in the image of God, that should tell us something about how God can work with people. Besides, God can do whatever he wants. This is uh, some tension in the Bible. At our prayer meeting before the service, and I invite you to come to that. It's really fun. We were looking at Acts 17, 27 through 29. The Apostle Paul is at the Areopagus, or Mars Hill in Athens, where all the smart people went. It's sort of the Ivy League of the Roman Empire. It's where all the universities were. It's where you sent your kid to go to school. And he's talking to all these unbelievers. And there's idols all over the place. And he says, you know, your own poets say that in him we have our life our, and our being, and we, we live and move and, and have our being in this great creator. And also that we are all his children. So in a sense, everyone is God's children. And in a sense, we're not all God's children. And we see that in John 1.12, where John 1.12 says, For those who received him, he, came, gave, he gave them the power to become the children of God. So if you become the children of God, then you were in some ways not a child of God beforehand. But Paul says we're all children of God. So in some ways we're all children of God. In some ways we're not. There's tension in the Bible. The thing I love about Martin Luther from 500 years ago, I'm not a gigantic fan of Lutheranism sometimes, but Luther himself said there's a lot of tension in the Bible. You've got to leave it there because that's real life. We li who doesn't live in that tension? Martin Luther was asked, is there such a thing as predestination? He said, yes and no. 
Because the Bible says yes and no. Can you lose can you lose your salvation? Yes and no. Because the Bible has tension around that. There's a lot of tension in the Bible, and there's tension in the Bible about who a child of God is. In some ways, we become more a child of God when we come to faith, but in some way, we were a child of God before we came to faith, because we're all image bearers of the Lord. We're all image bearers of the Lord. Even the world's meanest Muslim terrorist is made in the image of God. So, that being the case, I was at a baptism in Huxley, Iowa, for my first nephew, John. And my brother was the pastor, and he baptized baby John. And uh, my brother said afterwards, and now you're a child of God. And afterwards, I went up to my brother and said, what was he before? <laughs> because, you know, Bible Bible also says that that we're all children of God. Besides, he hasn't come to faith yet. That's a whole other thing. But still, what I'm saying is, there's tension here, and there's tension with spiritual gifts, too. Anytime you deal with spiritual gifts, if you draw really hard and fast rules, you're going to run into trouble. Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit moves where he wants to and goes where he wants to. And we don't set up flow charts for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to do what he's going to do, and if he wants to work with an unbeliever, guess what? He's going to work with an unbeliever, and it can happen. I do think something special happens to us when we come to faith. It's like finding our birth family. Robert back there did his genetics and found a whole new family he didn't know about. And they act like him and look like him, and he likes them. You know, it's, it's kind of cool to find that, that one side of your birth family. And when we find the Lord, it's like that. We, we, we definitely get an upgrade. We're more open to spiritual gifts. And there's a real specialness to that relationship. And if you don't have that relationship, we want to invite you into it. If you're not sure if you're a child of God, we can be sure. We can be sure. Talk to one of us. Pray with one of us. We can make, we can make that a certain thing right away. So we're going to talk about words of knowledge today. Words of knowledge are the beginner gift. A rather ir irreverent theologian said once, the words of knowledge are the gateway drug to the other ones, which I think is kind of funny. It's a... Uh, but words of knowledge is one of those things that everyone has operated in. And this is one of those number three supernatural gifts. You weren't born with a special ability to have words of knowledge. Words of knowledge come from the Lord. And people can come to faith because of words of knowledge. An unbeliever can get a word of knowledge coming out of nowhere and then can say, oh my goodness, there's something supernatural going on here and can come to personal faith because of a word of knowledge. It often happens. Words of knowledge. It is just uh, a word of knowledge is simply God telling us things we would otherwise never know. And things you never learned in school. I once uh, was at a youth rally, a big concert with tents. And uh, it was contemporary Christian workers. I was a youth pastor at the time. And we got split up on the way to Portland, where this was being held in Washington. We were from Washington State. This was Portland, Oregon. And back then, we had no cell phones. So we couldn't find the other half of our group. And Jim Rosenthal was leading the other half of our group. And there were 10,000 kids there with tents. How are we going to find these people just searching through the tents? This is, this, that doesn't work. So I went to a payphone. Some of you have no idea what a payphone is. 
But I figured that Jim, who lived with his mom, would call his mom and tell people where he was. So I got to the phone, and I didn't know her number. I put in a quarter and dialed seven, ten numbers, and guess who answered the phone? Mabs Rosenthal. That was a word of knowledge in numbers. Because God wanted us to find them. And we found them. And we had a great time together. But I still remember standing there just going, okay, here we go, Lord. And there was Mabs Rosenthal. It's, that, that's a word of knowledge. That is not something I was born with. That came out of nowhere. I'll never forget that. It is just, and you guys have all, you guys have all done stuff like that. But you tell yourself, oh, no, I, I, that didn't happen. Because if you tell other people, they think you're crazy. And some people just turned off the YouTube just now when I said that because they think he's crazy. So, but it's these, why wouldn't God want to talk to his people? Why wouldn't God want to talk to his people? Okay, I'll tell you the truth. I knew the first three numbers because it was the same area code, but the other seven I got. (laughs) How and why God will tell you things you would otherwise never know. Words of knowledge, picking up stuff. Next slide. Next slide here. Judine Johnson and the Disorder of Salvation. I was a student pastor in South Dakota. My supervisor was Judine Johnson, and he was a he was Norwegian American went to St. Olaf, which is the elite Norwegian school, very expensive. And he wore tweed jackets with arm patches, and he smoked a pipe. And he would, he would hang around with Carl Barth. He's, he's that old. He would hang around with Carl Barth in Switzerland once in a while. He was one of the theologian guys. And uh, I had to write a paper for seminary called The Order of Salvation, How People Come to Faith. Well, first they preach the gospel, then they come to repentance, then they receive the Lord, and I called my, my paper the order of salvation. First you have to do this, then this happens, then you get baptized, then you know, all these different, it was all in order. And I gave it to Judine to look at, and he smoked his pipe and puffed it a little bit. He said, son, we're not saved by the order of salvation. And he puffed it a little bit more. We're saved by the disorder of salvation. Salvation is a collision with the living God, and it's messy. It's messy. And all the, all the conversions in the book of Acts are a mess. Sometimes they get filled with the Spirit, they speak in tongues, they prophesy, they get baptized, they use the wrong words for baptism, whatever. It's, just, it's, it's never the same order. The important thing is running into the living God, not prescribing a certain flow chart for how it works. Do I think repentance is important? Yeah, but the Apostle Paul didn't repent. He got hammered on the way to Damascus. He came to faith before he repented. So there there is no theological flowchart here. And when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people, he gets a hold of people. Tom Breeze from our men's group said, spiritual gifts, he says, you got to think about them not so hard-baked, but more like the Lord constantly spinning you on the wheel, the, the potter's wheel constantly reshaping you. I thought that was beautiful. There's no static, stuck uh, way of looking at this whole thing. God will continue to develop us and shape us. The Bible says that he's the potter and we're the clay. And that he continues to work on us. And I think when we stop letting him work on us, we get old. We sort of stay in that form. 
And the important thing is to remain pliable throughout our lives, to remain open to God, shifting the way we operate and the way we shape, the way we're shaped. So the second question, when, when the first one was, can when do we receive spiritual gifts? Well, we can be born with them. They can be augmented. They can come out of nowhere. The supernatural gifts are mainly for believers, but occasionally the Lord can use an unbeliever in one of those gifts. So what are they used for? And guess what? There is no, answer, no one answer for what they can be used for. Spiritual gifts can be used for anything. They can be used to build up the church. They can be used to build an ice hockey rink. Spiritual gifts can be used for anything. They can be used to start a corporation. They can be used to plant a church. They can be used to, to move missionaries around. They don't just happen in church. It's not just something we do in church. Who thinks you can get a word of knowledge in a business that can make a big deal, a big difference as to whether you make a big decision this way or that way? All the time. Spiritual gifts can be used, and here's the answer, it's real simple, for anything that God wants to use them for. Because everything that happens in the world is what God's doing in the world. There's not a part of the world he's not involved in. He's not more involved in church than he is in the production of food. Who thinks food is pretty important for people? Very important. And so God is involved in all of these things. And God can use the spiritual gifts in your workplace. God can use the spiritual gifts anywhere. Nancy sits on the bench. Who thinks the judges probably need to hear from the Lord occasionally? when things get really complicated. You do. You need to hear from God. We need to hear from God in all the different things we do. First time I ever got a word of knowledge has to do with donuts. <laughs> I was a brand new pastor. My full salary was $17,800 a year. Uh, we were living paycheck to paycheck. And guess what? The paychecks often came four to five weeks late because we didn't have enough offering. And so it was, we were living out in the Olympic Peninsula, which is basically just marijuana farmers and egg farmers and weirdos. And it was, it, it was not a prosperous area. We called it Olympalachia on the Olympic Peninsula. <laughs> there we were. And there was this one old retired pastor who was rather wealthy, who moved in from somewhere else. And he invited all the pastors in town to a prayer meeting on a weekday morning with donuts. And I always went just to get the free donuts. And I would always be the last one to leave. And if there was a donut left, it would be gone before I left. And uh, right in the middle of the meeting, I got a word of knowledge. First time I ever got one. Go see Ben Parker. Now, you guys don't know Ben Parker. Ben Parker has gone to be with the Lord. God rest his soul. But he scared me a lot. He was in our church. He was an old, cranky guy. And he's the only person ever to challenge me in the middle of a sermon stood up and started yelling at me. Um, some people are single because they love being single. Some people are called to be single. Some people are single, like to be married, whatever. But he was just single because he was ornery. I can't, I can't imagine anybody living with him. I, I really can't. He was uh, the most opinionated person I've ever met. And Ben Parker was from the South, and he's the kind of guy who would walk out of church if you sang Battle Hymn because that was the fight song of the Union Army. And he'd come and talk to you about it the next day in the office. Ben was a challenging guy. I loved him to death, but he was difficult. And when you get your first word of knowledge, go see Ben Parker, you think, oh, I almost, well, I almost cussed thinking about it. But anyways, I didn't want to go. 
Plus, there were still donuts left. And I'm thinking, I, I'm not going to get these donuts again until next week. I, 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 and Laura said, go see Ben Parker. So it was only like a quarter, half mile away. So I, I drove over to, to where Ben Parker was staying. And his door was open. The screen door was shut. I said, Ben, are you in here? Nothing. Ben, are you okay? I most certainly am not. I find him in the bathroom with his pants around his, his ankles. He'd fallen, and he'd hit his head on the bathtub, and there was blood all over the floor. He was like 87. Those of you who know me know I'm not a big fan of blood, Tamara. It's, just, it's like you're getting the creeps thinking about it again. Yeah, your pastors here have little phobias. Tamara doesn't like to be up on heights, and I don't much like blood, but... But uh, there it was, covered in blood. And I patched him up, pulled his pants up, and the hospital was only a few blocks away. And they said to me, if you hadn't brought him in, he would have bled to death. There's no explanation for that, folks. That's just a word of knowledge out of nowhere. And we can all receive that. We just have to be open to hearing it. Words of knowledge are... If you're just getting started with spiritual gifts, it's the best place to get started. Lord, just give me a couple words of knowledge today to guide my decisions. Show me some things I couldn't have learned. Show me some insights that come out of nowhere. Women call them intuition. Men call it hunches, but it comes out of... There's, that's what it is. It's a word of knowledge. So what I'd like to do is I'm going to invite Tamara up to, to do communion. And... Uh, so get your bread and cup ready for that. But I'd like to spend some time practicing in words of knowledge first. And while you're getting ready to do that, by the way, these are our new t-shirts, the well at Surf City, and you can get those on our website. And all of the profits from these go to the general fund of the church. And you can show off your church. People ask, what's that? And you'll say, well, that's my church. Why don't you come with me next Sunday? So I'd like everyone to get one if you can. It's a way of spreading the word. But I'd like us to open up ourselves right now to, for words of knowledge. And if you get a word of knowledge here, I'd like you to share it. And if you get a word of knowledge online, if you're listening live, to share that on the discussion thing with people so that we can share that with the group. So those of you who might be monitoring the online thing, let us know if that happens. But let's just ask the Lord to speak to us. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us and... Give us some words of knowledge, some things we couldn't have known, some things we need for making decisions. We give you thanks, Lord, for the spiritual gifts, especially words of knowledge, Lord. I want to give you thanks for the innate gifts and the people I'm looking at right now. I just see so many gifted people. And I've seen most of them operate in augmented gifts from time to time, where their gifts get a booster shot, an upgrade. But Lord, we want to we want to do a little toe dip in here in one of the supernatural gifts. That you would just speak to us. I'm trusting, Lord, that some of the words of knowledge we share will have meaning for someone else in the room. And that we can share that with someone else in the room so we can pray for healing, perhaps, for, for that person. So, Lord, we're just going to be quiet and listen now for you to speak to your people. I just want to 
tell a couple things about words of knowledge while you're listening for the Lord. You might get a sense that someone in the room needs healing for his or her knee or a shoulder or blood pressure or whatever. And when you, if you get one, share it. We'll just pray out loud. It would be cheating to think that uh, someone in the room needs prayer for her foot because uh, Nancy walked in with a big brace on her foot. That doesn't count for a word of knowledge. We can still pray. For, we can still pray for her. We'll still pray for her. But Lord, just give us words of knowledge. sense that someone here feels like they are in a jail. Hmm. They're behind bars. They want to get out. And yet there is something in their life that is restricting them from getting out of that jail. I just want to come into agreement with that, uh, with that word of knowledge. I'm sensing even as Bill was saying that, that uh, Jesus would say, I am the key to the, to the lock. And that key is going in right now and fitting in the lock and twisting. And uh, the tumbler is moving. And the gate is open. And the Lord would say to you, come out. I am the key. Someone is recognizing his or herself in him or herself in this message and is fearful. We pray for that person, Lord, uh, that you would fill his or her heart with, with love and love casts out all fear. And I pray, Lord, that uh, this person would step forth and operate in the more supernatural gifts, to earnestly desire them with no fear at all.
when House was preaching um, and talking about latent and active gifts, I heard the words, ask me. Mm. So the Lord wants us to ask him what latent gifts that we have that we need to activate, that he wants us to, he wants us to operate in them. And so we just need to ask him. Putting up a slide on activating the gifts is like flipping a switch, Lord. And I just pray for that person or persons who, like my gift for languages, uh, needed to be activated. And the Lord would say to you, as Tamara said, that uh, you have a latent gift which can become an activated gift. I just pray that you would uh, step out in faith. It might be something you're trying to do right now. You've never tried before. And we give you thanks, Lord, for the, for the joy that this person's going to feel when that gift becomes activated that's been there all along. Look at all the wires. Hold the pole. Go down the freeway. If you think about where the power is coming from, that is Jesus Christ. The lines themselves are the Holy Spirit that are bringing the life of Christ along those lines. It takes you to switch. Hmm. Bill had a, for those of you listening in, Bill had an, an augmented word of knowledge for Tamara's word of knowledge was that it's like a power line and the Holy Spirit is the power line and the power of Jesus, the electricity coming through it. It needs the human activation of flipping the switch. And the Lord would say to you, flip the switch, the power's there. You don't have to supply the power. The Lord also says, don't be afraid to belong. When you're given a word, share it. Linda just shared, for those of you listening in, not to be afraid of sharing a word. The enemy would have you not to, would have you be afraid to share it. Don't be afraid to be wrong. You might be thinking, what if I'm not right? But sharing a word, you never know. It can make a big difference for a person in the room. So many times you may have a half a word, and it takes you saying that half a word before someone else. Bill just said sometimes you just have half a word and you need someone else to hear it so that they can complete it because their half word doesn't make any sense without what you have to say. If you've never shared a word of knowledge before, this is a safe place to do it. I just want to encourage you to go ahead.
the only thing I'm getting from the Lord is somebody here should be prepared for surprises. And you're tired, you're bored. It's the same old, same old. And the Lord has a very special surprise around the corner for you. It's going to be as big as anything you've ever experienced before. And there's no way you can predict it. The Lord has a surprise for someone here. Lord, we give you thanks for these words of knowledge. You love to speak to your people. I pray for everyone to be operating and listening for you to speak to them this week. We often say, I just don't know what to do. I just don't know what to do. You know what we should do. And you're not going to play hard to get with us, Lord. You love to tell us what we need to do. So we pray, Lord, for the activation of this gift in people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Thanks, House. Um, I just have one announcement that I'm going to do real quick. It's just we do have our November prayer cards today. And so um, please pray. We're praying for our military. Hoping it's up there. There we go. Um, we're praying for our military. We're praying for the election. We're praying for our government. Because um, all those things need prayer for, right? My iPad just closed out on me. So let me do this. So pray for unity and peace in the election process. How many of you think we need that? Um, we need to pray for our president, our governor, and all those making decisions on our behalf. Pray for protection and health and safety for your pastors. That's Kim House and I. Um, as well as your trustees, the leaders, um, and their, our families, and our other um, worship leaders, Jen and Jess. Uh, we need it very, very badly. So today we're going to be celebrating communion. And I think, you know, when Jesus sat down at the table, he already knew what was going to happen. He knew the prophecies from, you know, from his ancestors. He knew why God had sent him down here. And he knew that night, it would be the last night that he would sit with his disciples and eat and drink and talk and laugh because what was next was going to be horrendous. And I think, you know, as he sat there, God gave him words, the words of institution of the elements of for our communion that we get to celebrate whenever we want, really. Um, so today we're going to be celebrating. So take the bread. And Jesus said, as they were sitting at the table, um, he took a piece of bread and broke it. And he said, take this. This bread represents my body. That's going to be broken for you. When you eat it, remember me and everything I've been doing here on earth and that I'll be doing after my death. Eat the bread. And then after supper, Jesus was sitting there and got another word, and he said, you know, he took his cup of wine and he said, this wine represents my blood. This is my blood that's going to be shed for you so that you can live in freedom and in victory, that you can be living free of sin and the consequences of sin so that you will be made white as snow. You'll be made pure. Drink this in remembrance of me.
he did this not so that we would just come to church, sit here and do thing, you know, just check it off our box. He did it so that we could operate in power, operate in the gifts, and do his Father's will. And if we come every Sunday and we hear about the gifts and don't operate in them, we are doing a disservice to God. These are words God's giving me. I'm not, I don't ever think of anything I'm going to say. I never know. So you know when I stop and I'm like, hmm, I'm waiting for God to talk to me. We do these things to bring honor and glory to God. Everything we do, we should be bringing honor and glory to God. And if we're not operating in the gifts that God wants to give us, we're not honoring and glorifying God. We're saying, mm, we don't want him, God. And he's got so many things for each one of us. So many gifts. When you were talking about the latent and the active, that struck me because I thought there are latent gifts that I'm not using, that I have not activated. And that kind of convicted me. I don't feel guilty about it. I just feel convicted like I want to know what they are. Um, And I hope this surprises for me. So there, I'm going to be selfish. I hope it's actually for everybody. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, I want everyone to get a big surprise this week from God. Activate those gifts. Ask the Lord what gifts he has for you, and he will tell you. Yes, Bill. I think that <coughs> from the Lord's standpoint, when he talks to you, you start activating some of those gifts, and the Lord begins to do that. Mm, yes. Bill was saying that when we start activating and operating in those gifts, that's when God smiles back at us. He loves us so much and he likes us. He loves us. He doesn't always like us, right? We love people. We don't always like people. God doesn't always like the things we do, but he loves us fiercely. And when we start operating in those gifts and we start being in his will and we start moving the kingdom forward, he really likes us. He doesn't love us any less or more, but he really likes us. And he starts smiling back on you. That's what Bill was trying to tell us. All right, you guys. um, What a day. That's all I can say. What a day. Uh, Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for today. We thank you for um, the gifts that you are so willing to give us. Lord, help us to um, understand more what they are for each one of us. Lord, if there are any latent gifts in us, please show those to us. Help us to activate and start working in those gifts and operating in those gifts. Lord, we want you to smile back at us. We want you to like us. We know you love us, but we want you to like us too. So Lord, um, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for your son. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody. See you later. We'll see you next week. Have a fantastic week and be blessed.